G'day folks and welcome to another episode of the Club Rugby Collective podcast brought to you by All Sports Physiotherapy. My name is Brendan Saucer-Tell from Queensland Rugby Union and joining me as always my good pal Jay Ball. How are we mate? Good as gold, saucy boy. How you doing my brother? Not too bad. Now a massive weekend of footy last weekend mate. How'd you pull up after taking in a lot of, a lot of games of rugby? <laughs> Mate, it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, I got a chance to go out to Ballymore on Saturday and, do, and commentate the major semi-final with Chips Blanche. Darren Murphy was a late scratching from that, obviously copping a knock against the Black Dogs the night before. Um, and then, yeah, and then go down on Sunday morning to Sunnybank to watch the third grade guys. Uh, I going down in the final play. Mitch Johnson scoring at Bright and various, unfortunately. Um, and then, yeah, obviously tuned into that minor semi-final which was an absolute corker. So, mate, look, final footy, oh, it's literally the best time of the year. No doubt about it, mate. And there were some absolutely cracking games of rugby played at Ballymore, not just in Prem grade, but across um, the women's semi-final between... Um, well, actually, both women's semi-finals were pretty close affairs. The the Jeep East one on the Saturday morning was a very physical affair with the Tigers getting up there, going straight through to a grand final. Um, and then the yep. morning after, with Sonny Bank Bond, went down to the wire. Caddy Costello nearly broke the line right at the very end to uh, to, to cause an upset, but wasn't to be. Um, but, mate, obviously, we're here to talk Prem grade, so let's jump into it with the major semi-final, mate. Hard one to swallow for me, mate. The Red Heavy's getting up 37-19 to go straight through to yet another grand final, as if they haven't played in enough already. Um, But look, mate, credit to them, mate. They came out. They started hard. I think they stopped East from getting any kind of momentum, and I think they really just sort of shut them out of the game for for a period there. Uh, East were their own worst enemy in this game. Um, I mean, like, obviously, taking nothing away from you, that opening 20 minutes absolutely ridiculous. And that is pretty much, in my opinion, what won the game. That and East, not only just tactics, but also their, uh, their execution, I think, was lacking. So it's a weird one because um, I don't think the majority of that game, UQ didn't actually play. Well, they good. The opening 20 are fantastic, but then their defense in the second half was great. But there was a period there where, you know, East lost like five or six lineouts in a row within 40 meters of the UQ line. Building misses the kick right in front in the first half. Misses another one off the post in the second. You know, turnovers, four kicking game. Just their tactics were off. And this is a side that all season we've said has been able to adapt their gameplay to suit any team, yet on the weekend, they finally get a scrum penalty inside the 2022. They're finally getting some ascendancy and they take the points. In the second half, they're taking the points. They smash SJ Kamala and they take the points. They don't turn the screws. They don't apply the blowtorch. And Chip and I were commentating it. We're going, what are you doing? You're not going to beat you two at Valley Moore in finals football taking shots at goal. You're not. And that's evident by what happened. They got smashed by 20 odd points. That it was just so strange. Like, any like Angus Scott Young goes off 10 minutes in. There is the guy who two weeks ago against West turned their scrum around, and you're not applying a blowtorch at scrum time. You know, you're not, you're not putting kicks into the corner that make Josh Nasser, who's a new rooker, 
have to try to throw a line out against the best defensive line out in the competition with Beaver and Moen and Seru. Like, it was just shocking. It was, it was just poor tactics and poor execution from East. And, you know, credit to you. They were able to come out of the blocks, absolutely smash them early on, and then defend like their lives depended on it. And now they're going to be granny and East has got to come up against a red-hot top side. I definitely think that's uh, that's pretty accurate, mate. It definitely wasn't the best we've seen from East, and I think they've been quite self-critical the week leading in. Um, you know, Ben Moen himself saying, you know, I could have done this, this, and this better in the team panel straight after the match. Potentially, but I mean, like, I yeah. think... Yeah, well, I did not tell said that. Mm-mm. If you, you think know, back right? to the first... I was going to say, the first time that the two sides played back in, um, what was it, round three... When we first started right. playing for points, right. yep, yeah, seems like a while ago. Um, I think it was a real sort of tit for tat match, and probably the same sort of thing where I'd, East was sort of really struggling to get over the line. And it wasn't until they had sort of three, four scrummers in a row right down on the UQ line, and then Benny Mo broke off the back and scored on his own that that was sort of the game breaker. <clears throat> and I feel like it was, the second half was almost exactly like that, but the UQ defence held out this time. I think credit where credit's due, their defence in the second half was pretty excellent down in, down in their own 22 to hold the Tigers out like they did. Oh, 100%. Like, as I said, their defence was dominant. It was fantastic. Um, again, Hino is somewhat of a perfectionist. And he's going to be saying, I I think, you know, we agree that wasn't the same. Mm. And... You know, they were just lucky that they came up against a much maligned um, east side as well as an east side that, yeah, just wasn't their day. Mm. Um, yeah, so a lot of work for both sides. I think UQ are going to be a little better. They were pushing the hell out of each other. Um, you know, like, so, yeah. Uh, it, it, it wasn't the best, I'm not going to lie, but I think it was still an exciting game by way of, you know, just two sides throwing everything at each other. But, you know, for a major semi-final, the standard wasn't really what we, we'd come to expect from those two sides. Well, mate, uh, the question has to be asked in terms of one of the uh, contentious issues. What was your thoughts on uh, Zach Crubber's try getting pulled back, mate? Zach Crothers try being pulled back. Yeah, charge, uh, charge down look, or knock on? We, we came, hmm. I thought in the call, yeah. Hmm. See, we thought in the call it came off his Barry beak and drilled him in the grill. And then we saw it came off his left hand. You know, how, how close do you have to be to the kicker for it to be a charge down, you know? Um, I'd say it was a charge down. You know, a charge down, what, typically constitutes you stick your hand up and it's a reactionary thing, you know, you charge it down, you know. If it was further back, I don't know. Like, that's the distinction. And, and, mate, credit to Nick Berry. He said, that was on me. No one else, that was on me. You know, he's he's the one putting his hand up saying that was him. So that could have been what changed the game, definitely. That could have swung it in East Statement. They could have gotten a roll on and gone from there. But that's what he, 
I mean, the next game we're going to talk about is going to be something where I'm going to say that's footy, but we'll get to that very shortly. Fair enough. Well, I'm going to say Zach Crothers robbed because, you know, I'm one-eyed. <laughs> uh, but, mate, I'll tell you what, I want to give a shout-out to another uh, battler mate who I think's doing a great job filling in out of position, mate. James Wood filling in at, um, in the centres for UQ. For, for those that remember, who's on the bench in last year's grand final side as a reserve flanker. Um, and obviously with injuries and stuff like that that UQ had, he's had to come into the centres and maybe he scored the try that sealed the game for him, mate, um, for a guy to, to make that transition to prem grade and be going through to a GF, mate. Fair crack. Mate, yeah, he's been playing very well. He's just a hard, tough bloke, you know. TJC Cassini came along late, was unfit, still looked a bit unfit, but they're still getting plenty of purchase out of him in the back, sort of 20 or 30. But, um, yeah, he's just a big body, which they need to get over that Adelaide, especially with Yeah, now. Obviously, the, the bus stop guys like James Wood and Connor Vest and um, Connor Mitchell and co to try to bend that line a bit, and they've been doing it bloody well. But I remember earlier this season, uh, James Wood was meant to start at 12 and he got injured and all sort of stuff. Connor Maloney was telling me, and he was just like, what the hell? But we made the joke, we're like, look, if anybody knows what they're doing, it's probably Nick Heenan. And look, Nick Heenan's done weird things like this, and now he's got a guy who's a flake at comp centre who's killing it in final football. So it's just another one of Heenan's little quirks that seems to come to fruition, which as a doggy stings me. <laughs> Very true. Well, mate, we've got a special guest joining us this week uh, to talk about that match from the weekend as well as from forward to our preliminary final this week. So let's all welcome to the show East Rugby Union flanker Michael Gunn. Joining me now, I have East flanker Michael Gunn. Gunny, how are we, mate? Good. How are you? Not too bad, mate. Now, mate, that was obviously a pretty uh, physical clash there between you guys and uh, UQ last weekend, mate, um, with the Red Heavies finishing on the right side of the ledger. But the beauty of the major semi, you guys get another crack this week against Bond. How's the team pulled up, mate? Yeah, obviously, a huge disappointment um, after the weekend. And we've kind of unpacked that over the last few days. And I think kind of the biggest things that have come out of it is just how hurt we felt after putting up that sort of performance. Like obviously, you know, compared to how we've been going, that's not, not even close. Um, but I think it's hurt a lot because we've set such high standards for ourselves the whole season. So and I think we'll take that little bit of hurt and use it to feel us feel ourselves this weekend. Um, yeah, I think that's been the main thing. It's just a mentality and trying to kind of take where we've been and, you know, convert it to a finals. Mm. Mate, do you kind of feel like last week, obviously, given UQ started as well as they did, you guys sort of struggled to get out of the gate a bit? And I still feel like you guys just sort of got another gear in terms of performance that you haven't quite reached yet. No, you're right. They came out firing at the start. Um, and obviously, those two quick tries they put on us. And, you know, not to make excuses, but, you know, losing Benny Moen temporarily for that five, ten minutes while he was in the blood bin. You know, I think there was something that was going to rattle the team that's probably going to be it. Um, but, again, no excuses. Um, it, UQ played very well, so 
um, we've got taken a lot out of the game and we'll, we'll use it again this weekend. And mate, you mentioned Benny Moe in there, mate. Obviously, former Wallabies captain who's led the team throughout the year, made a pretty handy player to have around. But just how influential is he on that side, mate? Obviously, whenever there's a team talk or anything like that, it really seems like he's uh, he's leading from the front and that sort of um, area, sort of outside of the field of play. Yeah, for sure. I think everyone looks to him as a voice and not just as a voice, obviously the technical insight. Um, he's one of those key guys in that area. So, yeah, he's, he's just been a, obviously a, an awesome addition and we don't take it for granted. I suppose, mate, in terms of the back row yourself, um, Benny, as well as Tom Milosevic, you guys have all formed a, quite a cohesive group of three there, mate. But um, for you personally, just how much have you enjoyed that um, cohesion within the back row this year and how much have you learned off the likes of uh, Benny? Oh, it's, it's been excellent. I mean, I've said to them both, it's when you pop up in a defensive line and you see, I can see Milo strapped head to one side and Benny's now strapped head to, you know, to my other side. It's just, you feel comfortable. And I think that's just been the, kind of the key thing for me. I just felt very comfortable with them playing alongside me. Now, Gunny, mate, obviously in terms of your finals experience at Bellymore, mate, um, dates back to, to 2013. It was your first year out of school and, um, you know, you won the Tony Shaw medal in that premiership, which was the Tigers' last one, mate, at the ripe old age of 18, a special year for you, mate. And then I suppose footy from there, you went on, played some NRC, came into the Red Squad, etc. but, um, having finished up with the Reds, mate, you spent some time away from rugby, focusing on your studies and work. Just tell us a little bit about, um, obviously, with 2020 and the way things panned out, why you wanted to uh, to come back to rugby and, and have another crack down at Tiger Lane, mate. Oh, I think kind of at the back end of 2018, I just felt, I think everyone needs a bit of a change of pace. Like I'd come at, Like you said, I'd come out of school and playing rugby was really my my identity. Mm. And I feel that I needed to take a bit of a, a step back and reprioritize. And I think I got everything I wanted out of that year off. I mean, you know, my, I was focusing on my studies and that that was very beneficial and just some time away mentally. And I think that's kind of helped me this year. I've been able to come back and, you know, you'd, I'm driving over to, to Bottomley Park to training and I'm getting butterflies. I'm excited for training. Mm. And I think that's something that I needed to kind of rekindle a bit. And yeah, I mean, what better environment to do that in but down at the Tigers? Very true, mate. Now, I know a lot of people obviously you can track sort of your rugby exploits throughout the year, mate. But, um, you know, knowing you personally, mate, I know you're a very dedicated student. Talk us through what you're, you're studying away from rugby, mate, and sort of what you're doing work-wise as well. So I'm studying civil engineering at UQ. Um, I am expected to finish midway through next year. Um, that's the plan at this stage. And I work at a civil construction firm um, on the Ipswich motorway upgrade, just as a site engineer, obviously still a student, but um, still not 100% sure where I want to go in that field exactly, but I'll, I'll work it out very quickly. You're studying some computer science stuff as well, aren't you, mate? Yeah, I was briefly, but I kind of figured out that um, 
if I wasn't going to be a, a computer scientist or a, a software engineer per se, I, I, I wasn't really finding any value in the subjects I was doing. So I kind of did a few of the more useful ones and then and dropped back to just the, the single well, dual major for civil engineering. Nice, mate. And um, obviously, mate, given you're, you know, studying some pretty complex stuff, still trying to figure out what you're doing there. You come back to rugby, found a bit of love for it again this year, mate. Have you sort of got aspirations that you still want to go on and play professionally, mate? Or is it more just enjoying the game for, you know, the camaraderie and, and what it is at Clubland? I, um, I've been asked this a few times this year. Um, and my response has just been, I just want to treat everything with an open mind. I mean, any opportunities I'll get, I'll look at and, and kind of deliberate at the time. Um, but I'm not ruling anything out at all, you know, especially with what's happened this year, just who knows what will happen in the next 12, 18 months. So. Very true, mate. Very true. Now, Mate, obviously, back to, to footy. Obviously, we've got a prelim final coming up this weekend against Bond Uni, mate. They're uh, the one team you guys dropped a match to throughout the regular season, and they played a cracking game against GPS last week. Um, mate, what's your what's your predictions for, for the Bull Sharks this weekend? Um, without giving too much away, um, I think we learnt a lot from playing them Obviously, it was a few games ago, but um, just to... I think we potentially underestimated them a bit the first time. Well, not potentially, we definitely did. Um, and we've definitely learned from that. Um, but, yeah, I think they're just such a... They're, they're a very good team and we've done our analysis in the background and I think what we've taken away will be helpful. Nice. And... Um... And I suppose just a different coaching setup as well at Tigers, mate, from what you had uh, previously with the likes of Timmy Sampson, et cetera, there, and Paddy Richards. Um, obviously, Mudge, Moses Rawlini, mate, uh, well-known bloke within the Queensland Premier Rugby circles, but you've also had Simon Craig come up from reserve grade, as well as um, Mark Bartholomew's come in. What have you, how have you enjoyed sort of learning from uh, the new set of coaches, mate, at Tigers and Stowe? Secret, mate, that they're all, um, you know, east to the core. And you can see that coming out within the personality of the team as well. Yeah, it's been it's been awesome. I mean, one of the big things that, you know, when going into the start of this season, knowing that Woods was coaching, it was kind of, I've gone full circle. Um, having been coached by him at under 15s, I think it was. Um so I've kind of knowing that was coming up, I was really excited. Then Craigie, um, who I've known for a while, it was a great addition. He's a tough, he's a tough character. So he's really drilled that into our forward pack. And I think that's been it's been you know plain to see. Uh, Barty, I didn't know before the start of the season, but um, got to know him very quickly. And you know, him and Mudge are best mates, so I, I knew I'd get along with him very well. And you know, we see eye to eye on. on on a lot of things as well. So, and um, just to wrap up, mate, we got sevens Tigers teams in action across the prelims throughout the weekend, mate. The um, the women's team already through to a grand final as well, mate. It's been a pretty special year down at uh, East, mate, and really pleasing to see um, just how successful the club's been as a whole. 
yeah, it's been great. I mean, it's just so exciting. I mean, you know, going to training, there's such an excited chatter. You know, it's been from the start of the season, not just now that we're in finals. I mean, anyone who comes down can can see how good of an environment it is. And, um, you know, I think that's been, you know, the outcome of our culture we've built this year is finals and having seven teams in prelim finals and, and having the women's in a, in a grand final, obviously, it's been, you know, part and parcel. Very true, mate. Well, Gunny, mate, thanks very much for joining us, mate. And um, best of luck for the weekend, mate. We'll catch you out of Bellingham. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, great to hear from East Rugby Union flanker Michael Gunn there. Great to have Gunny back in the game. Um, it's definitely been a big year for him. But let's have a look forward to... Well, actually, no, before we look forward, we've got a minor semi-final to talk about. The clash between Bond and GPS. The Bull Sharks getting up here 32-27 at the death. Jay, this is an absolute humdinger of a match. Mate, this was an absolute curler. This was an absolute ripper of a match of footy. I mean, this this is what we were expecting of the major semi-final, a side with a big forward pack ready to throw their body into it and really bash people, a side with a huge attacking potential, willing to play with a bit of width and then go up through the guts. like, And then, what, 85th minute, Scrum after scrum after scrum after scrum, and then out of nowhere, Bond pulled that one out of the bag and out to his cheeks. I mean, it's rather poetic that that's how Jeeps go out, but that's got a really steep one. Bond are through to the prelim. I am fizzing for this one, Source. This is ah, so fun, man. I am so jumping, boys, from the DC. Well, mate, uh, it's really funny. For a club that's been tagged as having absolutely no culture, I'll tell you what, mate, they had probably... Um, don't know if their supporter base was as big as what the Tigers had on the Saturday, mate, but it was very close, and uh, they were certainly vocal, mate. They were getting around their boys and to see everyone celebrate the way they did at the end of the match, mate. It was something to withhold. Mate, it's fantastic. Like, this is huge. We've, fought, we've got Bond from the Gold Coast, the first time ever, not only making the finals, but winning a final. They're the form team in the competition. They're playing the best brand of footy. It's taken them, obviously, seven years just to get here, but it's been built over the last three in particular. And to see them, you know, do the way they did, because two weeks ago, Jinx just absolutely bullied them, absolutely smashed them out of the game. And then, yeah, as I said, it's rather poetic that, it's a scrum penalty that wins in the match in the 85th minute. Yeah, I mean, can't script that stuff, sounds. No, mate. Well, obviously, Jeeps came out firing. They scored that first try through uh, Jonathan Kent um, and Ratu Vio crossed for a double, and, and Joshy Collins, obviously, the fastest man in Ashgrove, um, bag one. <laughs> but um, despite all their efforts, mate, I think what we saw from Jeeps was. Um, Big Freddie Burt going off early in the first half, I think, changed the match a bit. I don't know what was up with Freddie. I haven't had a chance to chat to him this week, but he was clearly somewhat rattled um, injury-wise. And then that's probably changed up their subbing plan and all that sort of stuff. But um, I still think there's just that bit of divide between your GPS old guard with the likes of your Michael Richards and your Dan Gormans 
etc. than the smart style of footy they want to play, um, which is typically hard-nosed, old-school footy and the fast, upbeat tempo that we're seeing from some of the new recruits. And whether or not the footy smarts um, from that old-school style and I suppose that, you know, make a 50-50 decisions, etc., with a more fast-paced, heavy-running, hard style, whether or not there's still a bit of disparity there. Like, when it clicks, it clicks and it looks great. I think we saw that earlier in the season. But as the season's gone on and they've been tested, there's been times where those contrasting styles have led to Jeeps being put in some precarious positions. One thing that I noticed on the weekend is, you know, they start the season with, you know, no Dan Gorman, no Mitch King. They've got all these new recruits that are all these blokes coming back and chat about it all this sort of stuff. And then as the season, I was thinking, you know, is there going to be too much of a change, too much of a derivation from what they typically play? And also, you know, this is a club that is so steeped in history, you know. A lot of the time it's play juniors there. You go to Ashgrove Marsh, you then go to the Colts system, you then go to the seniors and you go through and you spend your entire life, we always say it, they're all all part of that 4060 bubble and that's it. Anyone outside of that is an absolute in their eyes. So it's a change of style of how they typically play. You know, the Dan Gormans have been there since they were five years old. The Michael Richards, who's a part of the furniture, that seems to be changing. And, you know, on the weekend, they start Junior Rasselaya for his first part of the season. No denying that he's a fantastic footballer, but he hasn't been there all year. Bernard Nickel was a new, new recruit. And I remember one stage this season, I said he was the form player of the competition on one weekend and the next weekend he's dropped. You know, it's not how they typically work. Dan Gorman's put the ones on the board, but he, he retired and then he's working way up through fourth grade and then he's starting in first grade. But prior to that, Kieran Johnson's getting his start. Jamie Rickford's been an unbelievable player for them. He's been and, one of my favourite you know, of the year, They're not Rickford. playing on the weekend. But the thing is, like, where, where is the reward for the effort that you're putting in? Like, Junior Rasselais just sort of walked into the team, you know. Uh, it, it It's kind of weird, in my opinion. Yeah, AJ Alatimu has been there, and he's but he's come back, and you were running with Teddy Teller, and I know he was injured. It just seems it's just not how Jeeps typically play. It's not how Jeeps typically run their club. They don't do these big recruitment drives. They don't bring in all these people. They don't change things up as things go along. They play simple, they play hard-nosed, they play old-school football, and they back you. You know, you talk to them. I remember talking to Gormo last year saying, how much scrum practice do you do? And he goes, 10 minutes. Because all they do is they buy in and they all go together. There's nothing new to what they do, and it works. Now they're... I don't know. I don't know. I just found it weird, you know. Like, Bernard Nichols has been one of the best players for the all season and starting off the bench for Junior Rappelaya, right? But... And he did, in my opinion, was all right, but, you know, he's an Aussie Sevens player, professional footy player. You'd expect much more. Look, mate, obviously, Jeeps, an unfortunate end to their season. They were sort of lucky to scrape in there in the finals. Um, you know, I think there's definitely, as we said, it's very different to what they've done in the past, but with another, you know, had the season been longer, you know, in terms of a usual 18-round season, maybe we would have seen more of what the team's potentially capable of. So... 
Mate, 2021 could be an interesting year for the Gallopers. Um, but obviously, I don't think we'll see the likes of Dan Gormans and stuff like that sneaking back into first grade. Mate, they'll uh, they'll probably retire down with Freeney and Fours. But, mate, let's talk about this Bond outfit, mate, because um, there was a couple of massive performances there. And let's start, mate, with um, with the obvious. Obviously, the last time they played, there was a lot of social media uh, stuff from Pig Athletic Club <laughs> throwing some chat around. Um the Bond front row being turned into BCF folding chairs. And, uh, mate, they turned the tables on their head. Big Zane Nongor, mate. Massive game from him around the park as well as at the scrum. And big Eddie Aholade came on and showed that he still got it. Um, mate, it's just pleasing for them, I think, on a personal note to show what they're actually capable of. 100%, mate. Look, like we said it, yeah, two weeks ago, they got absolutely smashed. BCF, mate, folded like a camping chair. But um, I think Zane Nongor has been absolutely massive for them. We know he's not up to standard for Super Rugby as yet, but he's a 135-kilogram 18-year-old with a beard and a friggin' afro. Like, he is an absolute beast um, in this club rugby scene. And it, I think uh, Jethro and Co started to get him a little bit, but credit to him, he, he started think uh, Angus Blythe has been absolutely massive for them to get someone like him to come into that forward pack. So, they're, they're, you know, since Angus Blythe has come back, they've started playing a lot more direct through their forwards. They're scoring tries off rolling balls. They're bashing blows in the middle of the rush. So uh, I think uh, I think they're starting to complement their back line and their style of attack and play very well by taking that impetus to try to bend that line and get uh, over the advantage line a little bit better through their forwards, and they're doing just that. And it's starting to unleash guys like, you know, LD, Mr. Menzies, Boardman, all that sort of stuff, you know? Very true, mate. Well, mate, another one in the forwards there that I thought was was massive, Devin Henson, mate. Um, Done, done. Love him. He's so sick. We haven't got to see a lot of him this year through injury, et cetera. He's uh, your typical South African um, muscle head mate and probably uh, looks great down on the beach and he's Bond budgies, mate, down on the GC. Um, but, mate, I don't know if you had a read of Jimmy Tucker's story with him, mate. An amazing story. Literally just read it before. Yeah, yeah. So he essentially had a, a, a cardiac situation, which essentially is a bit of um, – it's called a, a carotid artery dissection, which is a bit like a – uh, having a stroke, and back when he was eighteen, didn't play rugby for six years. Came moved from South Africa to to Australia at the start of the year in January, and joined Bond on a bit of a whim, and made his playing in a prelim final this weekend. He's so sick. I, I actually made mention last weekend that he was just absolutely melting blokes. You know, he just drilled someone in the middle of the field, goes off with a head clash, gets stitched up, and comes out and absolutely snot someone else about five metres out and at the same time picks up a try off the back of a rolling mall and gets a turnover. He is filth, and he's only 24, and it's his first time playing in six years. He is exactly the type of player that Bond needs. Hard-nosed, big second row to partner up with Angus Blythe. Mate, that is exactly the sort of player they need in the midfield, just absolutely deleting blokes. Mm. Well, mate, I thought the other four as well that had a massive game, obviously... LD, uh, there's probably been enough chat around him all throughout the week. Um, we, we know what to expect for him, mate. He's uh, absolutely found a new home at 
at Bond probably much to the doggies' despair, mate. But uh, he's killing it. But Maxi Dowd at the back at fullback, I thought he had some absolutely great touches, mate. And his individual effort to score his try, mate. I think he's come along in leaps and bounds this year. He's so sick. Max Dowd is is an absolute gun. He's probably been the form fullback in the competition throughout the season. And he's just an absolute superstar in the making. I love him. I reckon he's so sick. He's such an exciting footballer to watch. Very true, mate. He has some great touches and, you know, it's not necessarily like he's... I don't think he's got like this massive turn of pace or anything like that. He's one of those guys who just makes it sort of look effortless in terms of his, uh, his movement through the field. And, um, yeah, mate, he's... We'd be interested to see where he comes along in the next few years, mate. He's something special. Um, mate, look, let's let's have a chat to uh, another special guest for this weekend, mate. Um, we're going back to an old friend of the podcast, mate, and probably uh, one of the, the spiritual leaders down at Bond, mate, who is right in the thick of all the celebrations, the mighty Luke Patworth. Joining me now, I've got Bond University lock slash back rower. He's a bit ambidextrous. Uh, Luke Patworth, how are we, mate? Good, mate. Good, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, lock's on the resume now as of the other week, so very good. <laughs> I saw you having to pack down next to uh, Blythe on the weekend, mate. Bit of a height difference. <laughs> yeah, big time, mate. Big time. That's all good, mate. Um, mate. Last weekend, what a win, mate! How's the the feeling being at the club since uh, Sunday? Oh, it was huge. It was it was absolutely massive. Um, it's just been a lot of belief uh, ever since ever since that last scrum, really. And the what was it, the eighty fourth minute? Um, it was just it's just been belief all week of training, and um, yeah, that we can do it. That we're the real deal. So um, that's that's the go moving forward into this weekend. Mate, it's got to be mentioned, mate, at that last scrum. Has anyone had a chat to Nongor about his uh, little little carry-on strut there at the end of it, mate? Oh, I don't. Our boys were pretty good about it, but I'd uh, I'd imagine some of the Reds boys would have been into him for sure. Because let's be honest, mate, that last scrum it was clearly Eddie Ahalelo, mate. That was the one getting up. Big time, big time. <laughs> the old dog still got it. He's still got it. We, we uh, use him when we need him. No, nah, to be fair, mate, big non-goal, mate. He had a massive game for you guys last week, mate. Obviously, the front row had a big task ahead of them to get back at GPS after that last game and all that uh, Pig Athletic Club chat about BCF folding chairs, mate. Uh, they they turned the tables, though, mate. It was good. Mate, I don't know who's running uh, the Pig Athletic Club this year, but their content's been amazing. Uh, that would be Sione Nala Helu, mate, who used to play for West, a good former Stingray. And um, yeah. and your boy uh, J-Ball is helping out now too, mate. So, you know, there's uh, some connection there. Yeah, nice. Very good. <laughs> um, I suppose just overarchingly, mate, obviously, this is a position Bond's never been in before, mate. The last uh, Gold Coast Prem Grade side to, to feature in finals was obviously under the Gold Coast break is better, mate. And I think uh, Nick Turner and... Grant Anderson is sort of the only one still floating around from that era, maybe Justin Bernstein. Um, but it must be just a special feeling down at the club, mate, to, to see, I suppose, what's been a couple of tough years where you've sort of just missed out on finals, all that hard work finally come to fruition. Yeah, mate, yeah, it's all kind of just clicking. Um, it's like, like you said, the last two seasons we've had, we've missed out by literally a game. You know, a game hasn't, 
gone our way late in the season and we've missed out. So we've kind of always known we've uh, had a good call group and the right the right people to do it. It just has taken a little while. So this year's been great and um, and Ando at the helm's been really good. Uh, obviously a bit of a weird season with COVID, but you know we, we're we're here in the end and we're we're looking to you know finish it, do what we started, I suppose. So like we've played East and UQ before and done really well. So we, we've, there's a lot of belief. Now, mate, I know there's um, there's a bit of a joke in the in the club and the fans were all mentioning it last week. Uh, you know, in terms of the no, no culture tagline. Um, <laughs> Whether that was true or not in years gone by, mate, it's definitely not the case now. We can see uh, a real tight-knit little group forming there at Bond, mate, which I think is really surprising for anyone from the outside looking in because it's, you know, it, it's great to see, mate. You can see the, the, the Bullsharks family is really starting to form down there. Yeah, in a big way. So um, even with the women's team coming on board this year, we've kind of all got together. We've all done functions and events all together and everyone's bought in from the, you know, from the, the second grade Colts all the way through to prem grade. So um, everyone knows everyone. Obviously, we're a smaller club, but everyone's bought in. And like I said, even all the women come to all our, you know, our aftermatch stuff. And it's all it's, it's all good when we, we go out together in groups. And so um, culture is definitely there. And everyone's kind of playing for everyone as it's shown in the finals so far. Excellent. Now, mate, obviously, East this weekend. Um, you guys got to win over them early in the season, but... You know they've arguably been the form side of the the the, the competition, um, finishing with the minor premiership, and obviously UQ got the jump on them last week. Um, what are you expecting out of the Tigers this week? Yeah, well, we watched their game against UQ. We've all watched it um, online, and yeah, I I don't think they'll perform like that. I'd say they'll come out of the gates. They'll be a, a different team to that UQ game. So uh, we're expecting a super tough game, but. Um, if you know, if we can get out there like we did last time we played them, or, or like we did even last week, and just have really great def- defence, that'll um, that'll help us in going all the way. Now, mate, I suppose people looking at this this clash could see that you guys had to play for your season the last two weeks. Um, is the energy still up in the side, mate? You guys don't reckon that you've um, you know sort of semi emptied the tank or anything like that yet? Do you reckon you guys are still sort of definitely up for the challenge? No, we're definitely up for the challenge. Um, we've got Connor Pritchard back fresh this week as well, which will be handy over the ball. Um, you know, there was a few sore bodies there on Monday morning and Monday recovery, but we're all good now. We had a really good session tonight and um, and everyone's up for it for sure. You guys will be right down there, mate. You got all that fancy recovery stuff over at the sports centre, mate? Big time, big time. We've got all the... Uh, yeah, we, we, um, we've got all the right equipment and... Uh, facilities for sure that's for sure fair enough um mate obviously you know you've got one game to go in terms of um getting to potentially a maiden grand final berth mate but there's a lot of people down there at the the club mate who've been in the back back end of the system there in terms of um you know your luca as your gm and a lot of the other coaches and even dan bowdler as team manager driving um driving the ship uh, from behind the scenes, mate, what would a what would a grand final berth mean for for all those guys, mate? Who put a lot of uh, effort in to get Bond to where it is today. Oh, I don't even think I could describe it. Um, so, to be honest, I think those guys are a massive reason why we're we've been successful, and uh, we've been knocking on the door of success over the last couple of years, and um, and now we're kind of on our merry way. I think I think it'd be 
especially for blokes like you said, Bowds and Luca. Um, you know, it'd mean the world to blokes like that have been there from from the get go, kind of thing. All good. All right, Pappy. Well, thanks very much for joining us, mates, and uh, we'll catch you on Sunday at Ballymore, mate. Looking forward to it. Sounds good, mate. See you there. All right, mate. Well, great to have uh, Pappy there to talk us through how Bond is shaping up for this week's prelim final. So let's get into it and have a chat, mate. East versus Bond, Sunday afternoon at Ballymore. Uh, Bond being the only team to get a win over Easts in the regular season, mate. Probably a bit poetic, uh, probably albeit a bit early. If it was in the GF, it would be more of a good story. But, um, mate, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, this is going to be interesting, mate, this one. Mate, I reckon it's going to be an absolute corker. Uh, you saw uh, Ben Moen came out and said, you know, he, he takes a bit of blame for um, the flatness, I guess you could say, of his side on the weekend. You know, he was trying to keep them as calm as composed as possible. But, you know, it's finals football. You need a rev button, you need to come out firing, and you, you did just that. So, you know, I think. You said before there's a lot of self-criticism going on and they definitely need that. So I can expect them to come out of the blocks. They're going to put some serious pressure on at scrum time. They're going to try to really put some pressure on the line-out. One line-out has been red hot with upfield, Henson and Blythe running the show. Um, so I think the difference is going to be from their, uh, their high-tempo brand of footy is going to get them over the line, if so. For East, they need to turn the goddamn screws. Get in their face and put pressure on them. They were such, they were just, oh, mate, I can go on. I don't want to swear. I don't want to say anything. Um, I hate yourself. I tigers in this, but they, it was frustrating, mate. It was frustrating last weekend just how maligned they were. They were pussies. They didn't, sorry. They just, like, I, I just can't, can't understand why they wouldn't take it to the UQ guys. And I don't think, I think that loss last weekend is really going to work in their favour and it's going to go really, it's well and truly going to go against um, Bond because they're going to come out and I think they're going to just really try to bash the hell out of them. Well, mate, I think there's, there's two ways of looking at these teams. I think for East, it's definitely, they've got a lot to improve on from last week, mate another gear to go to whereas for Bond and I you know I don't want to jinx them or anything like that here I think that's probably the best we've seen from them this year and the the question is do they have another gear to go to can they raise it up again for a prelim final yeah um, you know mm-hmm. or are we going to see something like in previous years where sides have come in they've got that win in the minus semi this happened at East a couple of years ago they beat Souths with, uh, with yes. Craig Cooper at 10 and then got absolutely pumped by Jeeps the following week. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen <laughs> to Bond, but how they played their grand final early. You know, it's one of those ones where they've had to play yes. play for their season now two weeks in a row. Um, can they do it a third time? And then obviously, if they get through to the GF, can they do it a fourth time? That's sort of the question that we sort of got to look at yeah. moving forward. So, um you know, I've said to to the Bond guys, like, you know, obviously I'm I'm going to be hoping the Tigers get up this week because, you know, I got to. But, you know, I've got a soft spot for Bond, as you mentioned before, mate, in terms of the, the Stingray stuff. 
um, you know, there's different challenges to being, you know, not one of the big Brisbane clubs. And, mate, if they go through a draw at GF, mate, um, you know, credit to them because there's been a lot of hard work put in by a lot of good people down on the GC, mate, and, you know, they're deserving of a bit of glory. But, yeah, I can't... Um, I'm not sure how this one's going to play out, mate. I think it's going to be an absolute cracking game of footy. That's it. I think it's going to be an absolute belter. The, the game they played earlier this season on the Gold Coast, so I was commentating another one and thought, I'll see how, like, how bad the East played. They played well. They played well down on the Gold Coast. Bond just played the absolute house there. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how they, like, Bond is obviously on the rise. Can they keep going? Has East started to dip, you know, at, at an inopportune time, or are they going to bounce back? Are Bond going to, you know, cook it? You never know. It's It's... You've got two sides that are going one way or the other. You don't know what's going to come out. But if we can have both sides come out firing on the weekend, you've got to match up the ages because you've got a well-drilled, highly uh, precise East outfit that just go about their job and absolutely play this brilliant tight in of football. Then you've got Bond, who I don't know if they know what they're going to do. And if they don't know what they're doing, then he's have absolutely no idea. So... It's it's a matchup that's so different. There's such disparity between how the two teams play. If they both show up from the day, I think you can expect the game football is going to be an absolute belter. It'll be an instant clapping. Very true, mate. Very true. Well, mate, um, I think that's it for us today, mate. But remember, folks, obviously, finals weekend for prelims. You can get your tickets and tune to the live streams. Check out the Match Day program all via the one link, qld.rugby forward slash QPR Match Day. You can find the link to that page on the qld.rugby homepage. So head there, get all the info you need for finals. But, Jake, another great weekend of footy ahead, mate. Looking forward to it. Mate, I can't wait. Saucy boy going to be out there on Sunday. Arvo calling this one. And I am absolutely frothing to rip into it because it's going to be an absolute talker. But in the meantime, get out to Ballymore on a Sunday afternoon, 3.30 p.m. We're four dogs up against the East Tigers. Saucy boy, we've got to absolutely do it. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, good luck with that, mate. <laughs> 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 All right, mate. We'll catch you out of Ballymore. <laughs>